welcome to the next episode of the Locker Room Podcast. Kevin Morris here is your um, host for today. So I'm delighted to say that I've got some three very experienced guests on today's podcast. And we're going to be um, discussing our roundtable on female sport. Um, just before we jump into that, I just want to give a shout out to our lovely sponsors at Ripped. So um, Ripped is a software platform built for co- performance coaches and organizations with easy to use programming tools and training load, well-being and nutrition men- monitoring via the rack. Ripped app. All of your coaching tools are in one place. Streamlining your coaching, making it more accessible for your clients and athletes, and providing you with the insights you need to optimize performance. Uh, and thanks to Ripped, we have a very special two-month free trial for anyone who's listening to the podcast today. So if you head over to www.rippedapp, that's R-Y-P-T.app, and use the code Locker Room, you get your two-month free trial. Um, so. Without further ado, we'll jump straight in. So I'm delighted to say, again, I've got three brilliant guests on today. So we've got Maria Kinsler, who probably has the longest title I've ever seen in my life. Um, she is former chair of the Women's GPA. Um, currently, they're going, going through a bit of a transition. So she's the current co-chair of the Transitional National Executive Committee of the GPA. I also have Erin Bracken from Basketball Ireland. She's a community development officer. Um, with Basketball Ireland and with South Dublin County Council for the South of Dublin. And then I have Lizzie Kent as well, who's a head coach of the Wexford Youth Under-17s and assistant coach of the Irish Under-19 soccer teams. So guys, you're very welcome. Um, hope you're looking forward to today. Um, and I think on every episode recently, I just have to ask everybody, how has lockdown treating you? So Erin, how has lockdown been for you? Um, I suppose it's been up and down like I, like everyone else I'd imagine um, I was quite lucky I actually got my new job while in lockdown so yeah. you know like that was a positive um, in terms of basketball I think there's been some positives that have come out of it even the engagement factor that we've had on all of our webinars and I think coaches are able to kind of communicate with each other like over zoom which is great and I think everyone has been really engaged you know like in trying to educate themselves and um, of course it's been really tough like I coach a bit as well like I have an underage boys and an underage girls team and I have the men over in Dublin line so like it's been really difficult like not having them but sure please god we'll be back on court soon yeah you've had everything over zoom well training sessions and everything or uh yeah like to be fair we haven't done anything over zoom in a while I think some people kind of got sick of it because it was almost like a lockdown one type thing that we had and by the time (laughs) we got to the third one it was probably just a bit overused but um no we're just like hoping that we can get back outdoors as soon as possible with the kids you know like even to do the non-contact stuff so yeah hoping for good news there and Lizzie I know you're you're one of the very few sports at the moment who's uh currently working away with some leagues and everything so has it been as bad for for soccer in the country yeah but possibly not I suppose like we were very lucky last year that we got to finish out our under 17 season and I guess with, with the women's national league kicking off this weekend it was like it's like waking up on Christmas morning, to be honest, getting to see a live game. So, uh, as in, you know, um, so we've been lucky in that regard. And I suppose similar to kind of Aaron, we, you know, there's a lot of learnings out of it as well. Yes, and, and particularly last year, like our 17s team was shut down on, on three different occasions. And the last shutdown came literally the first week in December. And at that point, we were, I think it was a Thursday evening, we were on our way to training and um, we're starting to get calls. Is training going ahead? Like all the games have been pulled and then... So literally we went with that, which was the, the third time, I suppose, that it was being pulled to the following Tuesday. No, they're back on, bang, we had a week. So like we were literally playing up until the 18th of December, but we were very lucky to get to finish it at the same time. But it but it was very challenging in that regard. But no, absolutely, we're, we're thrilled, I suppose, to be back and hoping that 
more good news maybe to follow next week, fingers crossed, or this week even, if I get it yeah. right. <laughs> and how about yourself, Maria? You guys are going through a big change as well. Yeah, I suppose um, one of the perks uh, or the benefits of uh, lockdown and COVID was that it allowed us in the GPA to have um, a little bit more time in some ways, a little less time in other ways to actually work through our merger, which was voted on on the 14th of December in 2020. Um, but I suppose that wasn't just something that came out overnight. It was the guts of two years work in the background. So it was just fantastic to kind of get that voted on and get it over the line and voted upon so unanimously by both sides as it being the correct step to come together and create a, a single combined players association for over 4,000 members so really positive a lot of work now to get through the work is probably just beginning now that's the easy, <laughs> easy bit done um but no it's been good and, and, and like the girls as well huge engagement uh, on webinars from players over the last 12 months you know rookie camps with over 300 players um which previously was held in person and had about 120. Um, so I think everyone is enjoying, you know, the the comfort of being able to dial into these things from home, but we are, we're itching to get back on the pitch and, and hopefully tomorrow we'll get a, a confirmed return to date to play for Intercounty. Yeah, I, I think everyone's in the same boat and I know myself, I don't know how many webinars I've been on in the last year or so, like it's been absolutely ridiculous, but it's so nice to just have to go up the stairs basically to make a meeting rather than traveling across the country so yeah I, I definitely hear what you're saying I think it's been been great for that and for the the network and that kind of thing um so that actually we might jump into our first question basically around um how your sport is getting on at the moment and Maria I might come to you first since you've mentioned um the amalgamation there so um it's a brilliant thing to see I think it, it seems to be something that has been you know wanted by players for a long time um, so what are you guys hoping to achieve with the amalgamation? Yeah, so we're currently working through a, a six month transitional period where basically both associations are now uh, combined as one. Uh, we're going to have a joint uh, national executive committee. So we're in the process of whittling that down from the 35, bringing the two together down to 16. And that's going to be prorated on membership. So 60% male, 40% female. Uh, but there'll be four elected officers, two male, two female. And then we're also changing our, our board of directors to be 50-50 gender um, and integrating all the operational and programs and, and services that go alongside that. So that's a, a lot of work in itself. Um, but I suppose over the last two years, we've become a lot more closely aligned with the GPA through, through giant programs and giant initiatives and, and giant sponsorships. Uh, so just looking to build upon that, but I suppose the big change was actually in our constitution where we introduced a, a new um, objective, which was to promote equality in sport and to work towards equal um, investment, equal recognition um, and equal opportunities across Gaelic games for all members. So that's what we're now setting out to achieve. And a key part of that is um, one element is achieving equal government funding on a per head basis. Um, so we've kicked that off and uh, through probably the, the WGPA 11, the field report, in which was released in October 2020. Um, so we're, we're following up with the government in Sports Ireland and looking to hopefully hear an increase in a pathway to achieving equality on that over the next few years. Um, and then also just trying to replicate some of the, the fixtures uh, changes. So the men's have, you know, looked, they've actually voted a split season in uh, for 2021 and 2022 onwards. That hasn't been adopted by the, the female codes just yet, but you know I think there's learnings to be 
to be obtained through there. So a lot of a lot of strategic objectives. Um, so yeah, big things coming down the line. But um, you know, it's it's really exciting time to be a combined association and for players to lead integration in Gaelic games. That sounds brilliant, and it, it's very rare to see. Um, I guess any professional bodies that have equality, even on, on the kind of committee level. And I know, um, I guess there was a lot of lot of attention around. Was at the end of the last year, um, with a lot of the, was it the fixtures being moved to different stadiums, and then you guys did a, a bit of a study around, um, I guess the the financial contribution that these intercounty players have to put in, and this is all, you know, I lockdown has been quite tough and we know we haven't seen a lot of sport but I think it's been brilliant from that point of view of you know even on a simple term people have more time on their phone now and they're they're seeing all these kind of things come up and I think hopefully those kind of stories coming out have just sort of you know raised the profile of the inequality there and it gives you guys a good standing to sort of move on with you know yeah I think on the back of that report we we kind of put out some statistics that shocked a lot of people in the sporting world but I think maybe to ourselves we're nearly too normalized to them that they're just part of our everyday life that yeah. like 93% of inter-county female players don't receive any traveling expenses like you, you talk to a male player and they just cannot wrap their head around that um never mind the additional you know medical costs and um, that female players also have to to cover and, and and gear and fundraising and everything else that you know sometimes it, it really is a an education where you, you sit down and you talk to a male player and you share your experiences of the game and you know what they get and what they do and how they train and, and then also how you train and, and what you have to do to, to represent your county and you know I think both parties kind of go away from it a little bit um, shocked in some regards um, but look that's the, the whole objective of the new GPA um, and what we're trying to achieve in the years ahead. Hmm. Well I guess it's you know unfortunately maybe it's not that uncommon and I know Lizzie there was a, a, a report or a, a story there during the week um might have been from Wexford youth I'm not actually sure now but a player who said that um she would typically be helping other players you know contribute to subscription fees and all this kind of thing and you know thankfully I think it is you know getting a lot of attention it seems to be moving on about that sort of you know the financial input that that women's sports are getting so um what's the setup like for soccer has there been a lot of investment recently is it going good places yeah and I think um just following on from it's actually Kylie Murphy that you're talking about who's captain of Wexford Youth um, so just in the past past couple of weeks um we've managed to tie down a, a three-year sponsorship with Energia and basically they've committed to um covering the the players subs for the next three years for our senior teams so like there's a substantial outlay similar um, as Marie was mentioning there, they pay, pay 500 euros a year to play, you know, so it's to take away that pay for pay barrier for the players and energy have been a sort of big support to Wexford Youth over the years. And, and just, again, during this lockdown period, it, it allowed us to have time to discuss and see and maybe to strategically start thinking about where we were going and what we wanted to provide for our players. So um, this was one area and I guess to give that that commitment um, has been massive. And I think within women's soccer in the last year as well, um, a lot of changes in the FAI as in that everyone's very much aware of. But, you know, the, the National League kicked off last weekend. And, and honestly, I, I suppose I've been involved in women's soccer for the last 10 years and I've never seen the amount of coverage that it has achieved, received over the last 10 years. This year has certainly by far and away been the best. And, and maybe too, that comes down to that it is the only support back as well, which again, that to me, that's a positive because 
we can only build and keep adding to that, you know, and the introduction of the, the dual sponsorship, the SSC Artricity, who sponsored the men's league for a number of years. It's now a dual sponsorship. You know, LOI TV has come on board and every single women's game has been streamed for free this year. So, you know, it's it's tremendous. And I guess, you know, you, you just, you'd hope that, that that will continue. I've seen a massive change in the past year and maybe that opportunity to stop and to plan and to actually start looking will be, I feel it'll be really beneficial going forward and, you know, provide a platform where, you know, I suppose, uh, I, I, I don't want to say, I suppose, that, that the levels just even up a little bit and that the same work that's been carried out within the women's game um, is acknowledged similarly as it is in the men's game. And I mean, I guess we are we are in our infancy in a way, like, you know, the women, I think I was looking at something there today, we're only in the region, women's GA and, and, and women's soccer, about 50 years in existence. So, like, we were making massive strides and I think, you know, each organisation is, well, in my mind, is helping the other. Like I, I see what's happening or what has happened with the WGPA, and I think it's making other people kind of go, well, yeah, why shouldn't we? You know, so um, I, I think each organisation is, is helping each other and supporting each other on that as well. So hopefully onwards and upwards, that would be that would be my hope anyway. Yeah, and I I was having it in our Google there to see um, how you guys got on the weekend because I know you guys are playing P-Mount and we won't talk about it, obviously, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> It was a, a lovely goal, but it was a goal for the other team. Um, but was shocked that the the first hit on Google was the a YouTube video to the entire match. So um, you know that's a very uncommon thing to see in in sports, but also brilliant to see. And you know that doesn't just come from you know somebody showing up with their their iPhone and recording the match put up on YouTube. That's you know an awful lot of investment, a lot of an awful lot of uh, personnel to look after that. So it's it's brilliant to see, and it can only mean things going forward absolutely yeah and even i know um i'll, I'll move away from the westford game um but uh <laughs> the court game there was a worldly of a goal scored in that and that that hit the the twitter headlines over the weekend as well and you know i was heading to work this morning and listening to it on the radio that you know that becky castle actually is actually a former youth player as well but she she had got the goal and was being being interviewed on on national radio this morning and you know it's it's excellent because that wasn't the case you know into the very very recent past you know so I think it's very positive and, and I do think obviously and I know it's the, the 20 by 20 campaign it's been a kind of a collective like there's societal changes that are helping with all this as well but I think it's all really starting to move in, in the right direction and in the right way so it's not about well for me not that it's not about male and female but it's just about removing barriers that you know people can get the opportunities get the coverage, get the support that they need. And, you know, I suppose I, I always like to maybe just take the gender out of it and try and say, let's try and move the barriers, whatever those barriers are, let's move them. So, yeah, no, it's very positive. Yeah, brilliant. And Erin, I know um, probably Basketball Ireland is one of the, or basketball, should I say, is probably one of the sports that have been hit the hardest by uh, lockdown and everything. And speaking of sort of coverage in the media and things, we see, we see an awful lot of... Um, you know, times that the CEO was speaking to the, the press and things about trying to get basketball back because probably the last time you've been coaching was you, you had a, a under 18s final, didn't you, with Liffey Celtics or something? That was probably the last time you were on a court over a year um, ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, I mean, our media team have been great at trying to keep everyone engaged as much as possible. And I know there's different kind of coaches around the country that are trying to keep their own kids engaged, you know, like over Zoom. Um, like the girls have kind of said, like there's loads of time for planning. So we've been trying to plan, plan, plan all the time. 
with officers and people, you know, even our women in sport lead, um, like she's doing a great job at the moment and I kind of work closely with her to try and work on some initiatives that we want to try and roll out kind of as soon as possible and um, possibly around like mentorship, coach education and then obviously to try and increase participation. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even remember it. Like I think my last competitive game was in March, like it was early March last year. It was down in Tralee um, with the men's team. We were playing truly in the men's super league and we got absolutely tanked and it wasn't a nice game to um finish <laughs> up on like but we yeah i was actually preparing for under 18 men's final we were supposed to have on a friday and then we got told on the wednesday that everything was kind of getting shut and basketball Ireland pulled the rest of the leagues and all the cups and everything so it was like crazy scary at the time because obviously nobody knew what was going to happen i don't think we knew we were going to be out of action for this long at the time you know um, we actually went through pre-season, you know, National League last year and two days before the league was about to start on, in October, we were told then that the league was being pulled and, you know, we were hoping that it would start at some stage this year. But, um, yeah, I think Basquiat just had to make the decision then to call it because there was just no kind of light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose. Yeah, I think they were one of the first sports to actually stop playing. I think they were the first uh, NGB to sort of announce that. But um, I know I'm involved with Basquiat a little bit and, you know, I, you're they're constantly trying to supply people with more online stuff, and yeah. um, I know some of the strength and conditioning coaches as well who are you know running Zoom classes every other day, and you know it's I think everyone's in the same position, but it's it's a difficult fish it seems when it's an indoor sport, it's an awful lot harder to manage the return. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, last summer when we were kind of playing away a bit, we were able to scrimmage and we had camps and, you know, like we were doing our best to make sure that we had kind of good conditions for the kids to play in. And um, yeah, it is difficult. Like, we're really hoping that we can do a lot outdoors this summer. Um, like, obviously, 3 by 3 is one of the big, like, FIBA events that has become quite popular across Europe over the past few years. And we're really hoping that we can kind of roll some of them events out throughout the country. Um. But yeah, I mean, getting back indoors, we've no idea like when that might happen. We're aiming for like a normal start to the season, like next September, October. But um, I suppose we just have to kind of take it day by day, really, like and, you know, hoping that we have good news tomorrow about getting the kids back outdoors to do some like skill work and non-contact training. Yeah, I think every, every sport has fingers crossed for tomorrow now. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well and we're listening back to this and we're happy. Um, you mentioned there, Aaron, as well, just um, about that kind of coach education stuff. And that's actually around my next question as well. Um, I think, you know, there's a, we've mentioned like a lot of changes and a lot of initiatives that have come into, you know, our individual sports. And I can only talk from a, a rugby perspective, but um, the amount of sort of online webinars and online coaching courses and that kind of thing that have has gone on has been brilliant um and it makes it i think really ac accessible to females um because it's, it's not so much that you're going to be the only woman in a room of 50 people now like it's, it's brilliant everyone's camera is off you can hide in the corner if you want but still get the education you want so um i guess my question for you would be um have you seen any changes in female participation in your in basketball area um and what have they been um as a coach like you know with other female coaches or yeah. yeah participation in any regard have you seen more players come in more referees more committee members anything like that well yeah I know that there's a big push around it like obviously with the 2020 campaign we you know we were really trying to increase participation across all levels because obviously it's not just you know like when you're coaching an underage girls team or whatever like some of them girls may not 
you know, go on to be a player, but they might ref, they might, you know, be a table official, they might be a manager, whatever it is. Like you want to try and keep people involved in the game for as long as possible in any aspect. Um, in terms of coaching, um, I actually did my thesis in my master's on examining the work-life balance in female basketball coaches. And, you know, there's very few women coaching at kind of a high level in the country, like whether that's men or women, there was only like four or five coaches coaching at national league level or super league level as an assistant or a head coach. So it is something that, you know, we need to work on. You know, I think I spoke to these women, like in particular, and, you know, talk to other women and trying to see what those barriers are, like why they feel like they can't take maybe that next step up to a higher level. Um, so we're really trying to address those issues. And I know our women in sport lead is working on stuff to try and provide more opportunities. Um, and like you said, the webinars are great, but then it is a case of like, what's the follow-up then? You know, like you have an hour of a webinar um, you know, somebody, they feel engaged, they feel like they're after taking something out of that hour, but then what happens when they go and stand in the court in wherever amount of months away or weeks away with their group of kids and it's like, well, maybe they feel a bit lost. So we want to try and create a platform where coaches can kind of continue to get better, do you know, and it's not just a one hour webinar every so often or a clinic every so often, do you know, we, we want to really try and do that. And I know there is some of the development officers working on stuff like that at the moment. So it would be continual, like a continuous coach education. Yeah, I think like there's a, an awful lot of data behind that. And like you mentioned in your thesis of, um, I guess, the, the barriers to participation, why women don't get involved. Um, I know myself I'm involved with a few focus groups. And one of them that will always annoy me is that um, if if females show up to, say, a training session or whatever it might be, you know, they're there, there with their kids or whatever, they're first off asked to go help with the tea and coffee or something after training instead of oh do you want to jump on the pitch and, and give us a hand kind of thing so those are you know some of the small barriers and I I hope they're being broken down a little bit more and it's great to see you know for example um female only uh courses and that kind of thing and I know Lizzie you were involved in um female only for the what was it the UEFA B license as well recently and those kind of things are are brilliant to see so like do, do you find them useful do you think we need to bring more of them in yeah I think I think there's I think it's a balance isn't it it's um like I have to say I, I thoroughly enjoyed my experience on, on the UAFB and, and particularly in the region of it was kind of how would I say there was elements where you went out and you played and you learned by playing and doing certain things within it that probably been realistic if it had been a, a mixed course I, I wouldn't have got involved in that side of it, but I would have stood out a little bit um, you know, so in that regard, it was excellent and it was a really, um, it was a really positive learning environment and I'd still be in a, a group with a lot of those, with all those coaches actually, where we'd still tick back on different things or it, you kind of created a network and there was a second UEFA B actually, they didn't get to finish it as yet, um, they're waiting to get back onto the, onto the pitch, so hopefully they will, but yeah, absolutely, I mean, I have to say, I found my experience of it, of it very, very positive, but I guess some of the, and I see it would players maybe at a, a younger age profile that I'm dealing with and then in turn with, with female coaches often it's a, it's a confidence element it's a, it's a confidence thing that is one of the main barriers that I have seen that I see myself um, over the years that I've come across and in one sense a female only although it's excellent and it's a great learning environment it's not taking away that barrier either in a sense so I, I guess to me it's trying to find the balance on that and as I said I got a huge amount out of it. I've got a huge network of, of coaches that I can bounce things off of and whatnot. But as in, is it taking away the barrier of, 
you know, building my confidence, well, I suppose building it to a degree, but as in building it in maybe a more male orientated environment, possibly not, you know. So I guess it's trying to get the, get the mix of that. Um, I think the big thing about and uh, another one maybe of the barriers for female coaches that often comes in is, is, is that time barrier and being able to get there. And I think the blended online method now has, I think that'll be massive. I think that'll be huge. And I think that would be a massive help in relation to engaging more coaches um, and for them to continue on their pathway, you know, so it's not having to maybe spend a, uh, you know, a full day away. You can get half your stuff done. And I, I think that'll be a help. I think time, and it's probably across Port Hill and female coaches in general, but the time is always a factor. So I think the blended learning will be helpful on that as well. So yeah, like lots been done. Um, and I think it's very, very positive and it's just, I suppose, to continue to do that and to continue identifying what are the what are the blockers and see can we can we overcome them or go around them yeah i know i absolutely agree with the the fine balance between like having those sort of female only things and having a mix because like unfortunately and i'd say for all our sports here the reality is it's they're all male dominated um whether it's participation or coaches or referees or whatever it is so um i i think i've said that before that you know when I was starting out as a coach I found that very tough to navigate because you're trying not to you you are the minority in that scenario but you're trying not to you know showcase that versus when you get a little bit more confident you get a little bit more time under your belt kind of thing you don't necessarily have an issue and some people I know myself I'm actually more comfortable in a male majority environment now because that's just what I'm used to so like it's a very fine balance I think there is brilliant work like going on you can see a lot of um a lot of promotion about getting more coaches and referees involved in soccer and hopefully it keeps kicking on and um just you know an, another thing around barriers that we know from research is sort of the lack of role models as well um and i'd say maria the wgpa or the gpa now that we come into i'll have to see what the new name is um they're they're not short of role models anyway um from the the, the women who are involved on your committees and your chairs from Valerie Mulcahy and I don't know how many all-stars there is on that that list so um you know that that's also vital as well and how do you how do you view female participation at the moment in in Gaelic? Yeah I think you know you look at those you know six or seven founding members of WGPA and you can on one hand look at the Ireland medals that they have in the all-stars but from either legacy that will actually be creating the WGPA um, and for what it's going to turn into now and just the standard it has brought the women gate the women's game and the impact it's had on the women's game um so yeah participation levels like I, I I think they're like you know ladies football is massively exploding in every club across the country um is Camogie exploding to the same you know same rate probably not being honest um and I think we, we need to look at that and see strategically how we get more girls picking up a hurl and get, and get them to to stay in the game. Um, and that comes down to the fact that, look, there's only, there's not 32 counties with a Camogie inter-county team. So, and that comes back to having a role models as well. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, so I, I think, you know, we are generating more and more role models. And something the girls have touched upon as well this evening is just all the games being streamed um and just how much more accessible they are to people and um, so like last year all every inter-county camogie and football game was streamed like the amount of people you had tuning in that you never had before or perhaps was tuning in uh to tg Catter and couldn't understand the analysis of the game because they didn't understand irish or 
are, are there barriers like that? They're now all in live streams. Um, and I hope that's a trend we continue to see throughout you know, 2021 and post-COVID because if you break down those barriers and let people access the game, both games are a fantastic product and it's from there that you'll, you'll generate your participation but at a, a grassroots level for players and also at an administration level where you, you try and retain your, your former players um, transitioning out of the game and, and get them to stay in some sort of a, a format, be it, you know, administrator, a referee, uh, a club official, anything um, to keep them in the game. So um, there's loads of programmes within the, the two national governing bodies within the women's. I know the Manal programme in Camogie and the LGFA have a, a women's leadership programme as well. Um, and then likewise, the GPA, you know, we have our, our GPA Jim Madden leadership programme for uh, male and female intercounty players. So I think there's more and more opportunities uh, for, for females to, to stay involved in the game. But there is more and more barriers as well. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned time. We've mentioned cost, um, but it's like, how do we break those down to actually get them to stay in it? Like if there's one in two girls at the age of 13 or 14 dropping out of sport, like that's huge. Like yeah. it's it's crazy to think of that yeah. um, and the impact that's had. So yeah, I think there's a, a lot done, but a lot more to do in it. Yeah, no, it's a mad statistic. And I know as well, there's also an issue around 16 years old, um, that the, the research is only from the UK, but I I wouldn't be surprised it's the same here. I think up to 25,000 girls drop out of sport at 16 years of age. And, um, you know, a lot of them say either that they stop having fun or, you know, a, a lot of the, the conclusion in this research is that there's just no role models for them. So they can't see people who are older than them playing the game because they don't think it's an option. And it's, it's crazy. I think, you know, I think everyone has talked about, um, sort of the promotion and the streaming of their own sports I think that's just massive even just from yeah it's great for the likes of me who's a casual fan of, of soccer and I can tune in and watch the game back if I want but even more so for those 11 12 year olds who absolutely love the game especially now in COVID maybe they can't travel out to watch them and they can't see their their heroes playing the match and um, it, it's, it's just really really important it'd be great to see a lot more of that going on after COVID exactly like you said Maria yeah I think one of something that hit me um with the live stream was actually the clippets of the skills that were actually being showcased on Twitter so I think back to Rebecca Henley's uh, double sideline cut for Galway Camogie last year and just because that game was streamed it was now going viral online you think to Amy Mackin's uh pint off the the outside of her, of her boot and that went viral because it was streamed it could actually be showcased so there is an appetite there for it so I think you know it'd be great to see that being built upon this year um, and see more of those kind of like clips going viral. Mm, brilliant um, I will just quickly give another shout out to our sponsors and um, again so Ripped or YPD so are you tired of the limitations of using Excel and email to deliver programs? Ripped can help you simplify the creation and delivery of training programs, making it easier for you to provide everything your clients and athletes need. All at their fingertips with training load, well-being and nutrition monitoring so you can get the full picture of your clients and athletes performance. To find out more, head over to www.ripped.app and use the code LOCKERROOM to get your two-month free trial. Uh, the coupon code there, LOCKERROOM, is in all caps and it's one word. Um, okay, so we'll probably wrap it up soon enough, guys. I just um, would love to sort of ask you guys, because I think pretty much everyone has mentioned 20 by 20. We've all mentioned, you know, can't see, can't be. 
um, the importance of getting more females involved in pretty much every capacity of the game. So um, an open question to the floor is, what are your hopes for your own sport over the next 10 years? Big question. I suppose I'll go first. Um, yeah, it's difficult. I think we're in the short term, we're hoping to get back on court as soon as possible. I know our international senior women's team are supposed to be going to play in the small countries this summer. Um, our men are supposed to be hosting the small countries um, European championships. We haven't been given any kind of green light to go ahead and train for those. Like the girls can train individually indoors by themselves, same with the men. Um, so obviously like that's something um, a bit of a barrier at the moment um, I think over the next few years I want to see lots more girls and boys going abroad to play I think at the moment we have a good few girls playing over in the states you know on scholarship at division one or division two um, college level um, I mean we have like Brona Paracastody who won rookie of the year in the Patriot League this year and um, so I think there is there's a role model straight away along with the Maguire sisters that are in HBU and you know like there is a an extensive list at the moment of girls that have been previously away and um, that have come back. You have Adele Thornton, who is a visible role model. So I think the more that we have of those girls, I think that's what we're talking about really, isn't it? Is kind of championing them a little bit more. Um, I, yeah, just kind of using them, I suppose, for our brand. Um, but yeah, I think like the guys as well, like it's, it's not about even trying to separate like the men and women. It is about like a collaborative approach and making sure that it's, it's just sport, like, you know, and that we do have those opportunities for both boys and girls. Um, there's 30-odd boys playing abroad at the moment in Europe or in the States from Ireland, like, which is brilliant. So, you know, we want to try and get more girls and more boys playing abroad, and then eventually they'll come back and make our Irish leagues and our international team stronger. Brilliant. How about yourself, Lizzie? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I mentioned, obviously, that the national leagues are back, but I, 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 in the short term, like that, love to see grassroots back, kids back out playing. Um, the underage international structures actually have, have hit a real roadblock, but like the two years of under-19s have, have missed the opportunity to participate and represent their country. So we're due to actually this year, the qualifiers are due to take place in Ireland in October. So I'd, I'd be really hopeful that, that that might go ahead um, and I guess on, on top of that with regard to the women's national league as a whole I'd like to see it progress start to see it become a semi-professional league um, why not why shouldn't it you know and, and I guess to add to that we're very unlucky with the senior international squad this year not to qualify for this summer's tournament so I think you know in, in soccer terms we always talk about the Italian 90 moment and I think we're, we're hanging for that in, in, in women's soccer I think if we could we could get over the line once, I think it would be massive for the game. You know, the numbers are growing. Um, it's, it's, you know, similar to, I suppose, the camogie and, and ladies football. And I suppose ladies football in one sense, that they've kind of set the bar with, with coverage and with different things like that. And, and, and I think participation numbers. So again, we'd look to grow, look to expand that. You know, we, we're, we're very lucky. There's a very competitive league and a professional league over in the UK. We have girls over there playing, you know, so... I just think, you know, clear pathways for whatever level that girls want to play at, whether it's at grassroots, uh, you know, representative teams, National League or international, that just the pathways are there and I suppose the opportunities are there for them to be able to grab it. So whatever they want to achieve, that there's no barriers to it. And, and, and similarly, on a coaching and administration level, that there's opportunities for what people want to achieve. They can just go and, go and get it. And I, and I think we're moving in the right direction. And I think listening to it's fantastic listening to the girls on their other on the other sports as well because 
I think we're all trying to move in a similar direction. And I think there's there's strength in numbers on that as well. So I think it's very positive. So that's my hope anyway. <laughs> and yourself, Maria? Uh, I'm going to dream big here and, and <laughs> pretend there's no barriers. Um, so 10 years time, like imagine if there was 80,000 people rocking up to Crow Park for every championship game female game and not just 50,000 on our Ireland final day I think that would be massive and um, imagine having female inter-county managers in both male and female codes just being the norm and imagine having just one national governing body that had equal opportunities for all small boys and girls you know entering it there's a, a new player pathway uh, announced last week for the first time between the three associations that's huge we now need to see that being developed on a one county model as well and, and hopefully a, a one national government model. So um, they're my my three big things I'd love to see uh, being achieved in, in 10 years time. No harm dreaming big. Um, I think, yeah, like I think we're, we all have very sort of similar hopes and dreams there that it's just, you know, let females be involved in whatever way they want to be involved and put in the pathways and the structures for them. And I know I can speak from a rugby point of view that that's I relate and I agree to everything you guys have said that you know there's the talent there from basketball point of view you're saying everyone is is across in the, the states on scholarships there's definitely the talent there from um, a soccer point of view as well again in the UK or in the states and absolutely have the talent there in in um, ladies football and, and camogie so it's just about I guess empowering them and actually giving them the structures and the support that they need to you know showcase the sport that the way they should be able to so um they're all brilliant and i would hopefully like to see all them come in maybe not 10 years i'd hate to see it take 10 years but hopefully in the next few years um but yeah look guys wanted to say thank you very much for coming on um you guys are all doing brilliant work and i know each of the the organizations you're involved with are are really benefiting from your involvement and and your your passion for what you're doing so um keep up the good work and hopefully we get good news tomorrow but uh sure if not hopefully we see you all on the the pitch of the court very soon thanks for coming on thanks so much thanks thank you thanks for listening to the latest episode of the locker room podcast um i hope you got as much of that as i did brilliant to have three guests on board today um just to mention as well that we are are also committed to promoting diverse talent um and as part of that we'd love to get more female coaching voices involved here at daily sports science so um for the remainder of april we have a very special um promotion on for female coaches so if you use the coupon code coach 30 in all caps no space um, and you'll get 30 percent off dss membership so if you have listened to this and you've enjoyed some of the content and um, this is just a very small sample of the huge amount of con content that we provide so please do get involved and um, feel free to use that coupon code and hopefully we'll chat to you soon <laughs>